they fly. There were too many old white men that just could not, and white women, that just could not process a woman being president. They couldn't process it. I get a lot of people that ask me, well, what, what bad experience did you have in church that made you leave? And, I, and I, that's why I always start. I had a good church experience. And you know how I feel about the King James Version of the Bible, because, you know, it's, it is the most sexist racist version I've ever seen in my life, but that was written in. Hey, this is Seiko, Fly Guys, Seiko from the Fly Guys podcast. There are times when I interview people that I really don't necessarily agree with, or I don't agree with all of their positions. This is one of those times. (laughs) Ah, But enjoy the ride. Stay fly, stay fly. You're listening to the Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. The views expressed on the Fly Guy Podcast by the guests of the Fly Guy Podcast are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Arnie Thomas here on the Bold School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Vaughner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe and share he's saying some good things share it don't keep it to yourself all right welcome to the fly guys podcast i'm with one of the flyest guys i know oh thank you man thank you thank you (laughs) dan trez omi my brother from another mother and father and tonight we're kind of dealing with this topic that was presented to us by the curator Tessa the Queen and she was uh, interested in us discussing what we get wrong about misogyny and if I'm correct you like the concept of this article but you don't like the main character in the article the person who was being interviewed yeah, Kate, man, I don't, and I'm not, I'm completely unfamiliar with her it's just that she made some points in the article that I was kind of like yeah so alright she made the point that the reason that we have President Trump is because of misogyny. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, and, and I want to be, because I, I want to be, um, I want to use some working definitions of what sexism is and what misogyny is. Oh, yeah, we got to go there. We got to go there. That's your area of expertise, man. You're Mr. Working Definitions. So, um, sexism is, like racism, it's it's structural, right? There's a, there's a, oh, we got there, okay. What's up, Ed? My brother Ed in the building. How are you doing, sir? And he'll get into it. All right, but sexism, and I mean, you were saying that sexism... It's, it's structural, right? It's, it's like racism. It's structural, right? There's policy, there's tax laws, there's, um, you know, local laws, there's, you know, then you have, like, you have, like, the un, the informal system, right? How, you know, how we interact with each other. Right. That's what sexism is. And and she's saying that sexism and misogyny are two different things, which, which I mean... Yes, she's right. They're two different things, but they're not mutually exclusive because you know sexism holds up misogyny, right? You need—I mean, misogyny holds up sexism, right? You need misogyny to do that. It's kind of like consider it like um, white mob violence against black people, right? That is individual groups of, of people attacking black people, but that kind of holds up the system of white supremacy. So misogyny does the same thing um, in several on several levels. And it holds up the patriarchy, right? Or or sexism, the system, right? So that's what she kind of says in this article. Um, and that's how we should look at it. Hmm. And again, misogyny is misogyny is uh, violent, hatred and violence towards women, right? 
Um, that's what misogyny is. So misogyny will be kind of like, like if I'm misogynistic to a woman, um, then that's like that's like a white person having individual bigotry towards a black person or someone of Latinx descent or or somebody that's of Asian descent. Like that's having that individualized bigotry or a group of white men being, you know, um, showing bigotry to a particular individual. Uh, but then you have the structure, which is sexism and racism. But again, I like to call it. That's why a lot of people have problems with with, with feminism because of people like Kate Mann, who's a white feminist, right? Um, she makes certain points that ignores racism, right? Because again, Dr. Bell Hooks calls it white capitalist patriarchal, um, white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, and that's what that is. It's all part of the whole thing, you know. Patriarchy holds up white supremacy. That's interesting. And her point that the President Trump became our president because of sexism ignores some of the things that you brought up. Um, but so I'm wondering, what are some of the other reasons people think that Donald Trump is the president? Hey, uh, Ed, why is uh, President Trump our president? Because there are a lot of people there. I think Donald Trump ended up being president because there was too many. There were too many folks that just could not process not necessarily, well, first of all, they're still getting over the fact that a black man was president for eight years. Mm-hmm. Then, there were too many old white men that just could not, and white women, that just could not process a woman being president. They couldn't process it. Fuck how qualified she was. It didn't, that was notwithstanding, because she was eminently more qualified to do the job than him, but it didn't matter, because he was the one that they selected, and guess what? Doesn't matter. She's got to win. He he got to win, and he ended up ultimately being selected as the president. And blood that and Russian interfering and but not, you know what I'm saying. It was just it's not it's it's about the fact that they just couldn't handle handing over the reins to a woman. And I think Kate made that similar point in her article, although she was saying that people didn't vote. Yeah, that, and, that, and that's my thing, like, and, and that's my whole thing with just, like, two things, the whole thing with the Trump presidency and the whole thing when we talk about, you know, what we talk about feminism, the reason why a lot of people don't like feminism is because of white women like Kate Mann, who makes these kind of statements and forgets about racism, you know, so, and that's why I said in the previous episode that my feminism is intersectional, right? Um, I have different identities and they all intersect. Um, and, you know, at the same time, I can't I can't forget about racism. Racism also plays a factor in, that. you know, um, Americanism, you know, where, where they're saying America is exceptional and everyone else on the outside is not. So that's how you have a lot of um, xenophobia. That's part of my identity. That's where it intersects. So um, really, quite honestly, Trump won because of white supremacy. That's just bottom line. Like I stated earlier, if you look at all the demographics of who voted for him, most white people voted for him. And that's really what the, you know, that's really what that is. Is, is, is Trump a misogynist? Yes, he is. Is he sexist? Yes. Does he uphold sexism? Yes, he does. But he also upholds, you know, white supremacy. He also upholds racism. He also upholds xenophobia. Um, He also holds up, you know, transphobia and homophobia and so on and so forth. You know, um, so I think we could, you know, again, he's, he supports white capitalist patriarchy, white, white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, Dr. Bell Hooks it. And I think Kate Mann misses that. And again, that's why a lot of people don't fuck with feminism because of white women like her. 
So is that white privilege the reason why she doesn't see it? Exactly. Because exactly white privilege. Yep. Really, white privilege will blind you to a lot of shit. A lot of shit, yep. <laughs> okay. Okay. And and one of the things that I'm struggling with is male privilege. Mm-hmm. So will male privilege blind you to the other privileges uh, or the other isms that are out there as well? Yeah, it does. It does. You gotta think about it. I even say I even go so far as saying you people get mad at me when I say this. Male hetero privilege also blinds me to a lot of things, a lot of isms that I see out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because you yep. gotta, and you got, you got to remember this is age old. This is hundreds of years in the making. The whole, the whole, the patriarchal system as it is. I mean, come on, we've used, if nothing else, we've used religion as a tool to reinforce this for generations. Think about it. Think about it. All right. I mean, honestly, if you think about it in the, in, in the context, from, from a biblical context, so who wrote the Bible? I, I don't know if you want either one of us to answer that. <laughs> no, but, but men, he's right. Men, men wrote the Bible. Men wrote the Bible. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Men wrote the Bible. Men wrote the Bible, then <laughs> also edited and rewrote the Bible. Yep. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yep. And so, so, and I mean, for, to think about it in the terms of, but it's always been patriarchal. It's always, it's always been male dominated because guess what? You've got to think, even with the revision of the Bible for, at the Council of Trent, oh, I didn't want to go down this road today. Um, <laughs> we're going, we're going. You got to think about it. <laughs> Even at you know the revision where they started, they decided what we were going to take out, what we were going to put in. When they put in heterosexist language, you know, to think about why it was done. The Council of Trent was convened right after the decimation of Europe by the Black Plague. Okay, so there was a need to repopulate. You feel me? So in the need to repopulate, they knew that Christianity or organized religion was the one vehicle that you could use to affect masses of people. And so that's why it was done. And so in the King James Version, and you know how I feel about the King James Version of the Bible because, you know, it's, it is the most sexist, racist version I've ever seen in my life. But that was written in, is, and I tell you, we're talking about heterosexist. It was that language was it didn't exist. A lot of the heterosexist language didn't exist before the revision. Okay, it didn't. There was no, there was no homophobic language in it. You know, it was. And it's interesting to me that it was edited by a homosexual. Right. Because Santa got some his, his fact. Sorry, I hate that word. I hate the word, but see, he was a homosexual. Think about it. He was homosexual and it was named for King James. Who was? <laughs> Good and homosexual. So, how ironic is that? But yet, this is the same. I'm sorry. I'm distracted because my dogs are back here having one is snoring and one is having a whole moment back here behind me. Go for that! <laughs> all right, all right. All right sorry. <laughs> but but your, your point is that men. Men have dominant. You know, we 
it, this is, you know, we've used the Bible and religion, you know, it's even, it, so we, we still use it today as a tool to suppress yep. any group that we don't, that, that we want to control. So are we unwill, unwittingly following along with these constructs? And you're saying that these constructs were set up by people specifically to stop certain things. Oh, absolutely. Well, when the, initially the constructs were set up to repopulate. And they were set up to repopulate Europe. You think about it. And in as much the constructs that they set up were just, they were very countercultural to what was going on in Rome. If you think about Rome as a society versus the Roman Catholic Church, you know, when they talk about, you know, man shall not lie with man, man, blah, blah, blah. When they broke the heterosexist language in, it was very counterintuitive to what was already going on in Rome. Hence the Roman bath. Mm. Well, well, most well, most um, cultures pre-Christianity were um, polytheist, and and polytheist religions were usually open to you know um, you know the LGBT community. Right. Um, they had women that were priests. You know, they had women that ran cult houses. So he, you're very right in that in that response in that response to the, when they when they put that all together. That was like a backlash to get rid of all that stuff. Exactly. So um, for, for them to convert people, they had to say, these are the things that you can't do anymore. Um, and that's why Christianity was used as a tool of, of imperialism, really, around the world. So, right. and, and, and that's up till modern times. Right. And so when I look, uh, for instance, the three of us, we were all raised to some degree with a heavy involvement in churches. Yes. Um, I think Dan, you and I were both involved with churches that had a liberation theology. I'm not so sure about you, Ed. Um, but so, are you saying that those constructs that were developed thousands of years ago frame the way that we interact with the world, and those framings kind of unwittingly force us to institute and continue misogynistic activity? I, I, I want to say real quick that um, you're, yes, to answer your question, yes. Um, but in modern times, what we do is a lot of us cling to these ideas, even though there's evidence to prove that they're wrong. Right, because yeah. they're constant. So unwittingly, maybe I'll say 50 years ago we did it unwittingly, right? But now with information now and the, all the stuff that we have access to, we're clinging to a lot of these ideas. Um, when the evidence is opposite of what we we're supposed to be following, because they're comfortable, the ideas are comfortable, mm-hmm. and heaven forbid you actually have to let let some of this stuff go and be informed. Exactly, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Very right. What are some of the things that uh, people are letting go of now? Well, um, I know, I know that uh, I know a good example was uh, you know a lot of people leaving the church. That's like, that's, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad. For a lot of us, it's good. For a lot of us, it's good. A lot of us are leaving the church. A lot of us are following, uh, founding, um, finding refuge in polytheistic religions, right? Some of us are going back to the religions of our ancestors, uh, you know, pre-colonialism. So you see a resurgence in, you know, the Yoruba tradition, the Kumi, uh, um, the Legwa traditions. You see a lot of people going back to that. 
these people going back to their native, you know, like their native First Nation religions, people are moving back to that. I see a big resurgence in that. The last 20 years, I saw a lot of people returning to those ideas. Uh, or some people who are just saying, you know, I'm, I'm not part of any formal religion and I'm, you know, I'm spiritual. And, 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 it, and it gives them, it allows them to be open, particularly members of the LGBT community, women, you know, they all, if they find me, they find safety in a lot of these spaces. So I think that's, you know, I think that's a wonderful, that's an advantage of letting go of these, some of some of these ideas. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I'm finding, I'm finding more and more churches and, and I'm an atheist who say that, but I'm finding more and more churches because of my community work where they're open to members of the LGBT community have women who are, who are leaders in their congregation uh, or women that are in charge of certain things that usually men were in charge of. Um, so I'm seeing that happen a lot because of letting go of some of these ideas, uh, some of these old, quote unquote, old traditions. Hmm. You know, I was in church today, uh, this afternoon, and the presiding minister was speaking about how people are reducing their activities with the church. Mm-hmm. And they're str- the church is, tr- is truly struggling with that. And it's kind of interesting that I initially simply thought that the church was just not necessarily meeting the needs and interests and presenting, uh, you know, the religion of Christianity specifically in a way that was capturing and engaging and important to the lives of its members. But you're simply saying that people are becoming more and more conscious of the construct and the damage, and then they're moving away. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, in that, and I, you know what? I feel like there are a lot of people that really have to find where they belong in that context. Because for me, I mean, regardless of, you know, I still remain a Christian. And I still, I still go to church. Like I, and I enjoy. Hold on, say that you're a what? No, I'm a Christian. But you use a term before that. Did you say romantic Christian? No, 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 no. So I remain a Christian. You said yeah. Okay, okay. You know, <laughs> despite the fact that I was like, I didn't know about that. <laughs> Where they do that at? Okay. <laughs> Is that why they say I'm in love with Jesus? Okay. <laughs> but, but still, I, you know, I think it's a matter of faith. And, I, you know, because I don't let anyone dictate what my relationship with God is. And I don't, I don't, and even right down to the book, because I will refute what's in the book. Because you know what? Because I feel like for me, if the breath of God does not breathe life into the pages or into the words that are coming from the book, then the book is pointless. You know, you hear me, then it, then it just really is a collection of stories that have been handled one too many times by men. I always refer folks, when it comes to the LGBT community, I always refer them back to the pre-Augustinian translations. Or, I, you know, the additions prior to that. I was like, if you can show me where this homophobic or this misogynistic language exists in the original Orthodox Greek or, Jew, uh, or Hebrew translations, then I'll, then you know what? Then I'll push your ass and bark at the moon. But otherwise, yeah, no, I'm not doing it. Because you can't tell me, you know, and I, and I told him, I said, and it's interesting about the things, the homosexual language that they left in the Bible. 
You know, like, and I always, I refer them back to Jonathan and David, which is one of the best gay love stories I've ever heard. And it's right in the book. Read it. It's in the book. Look yeah. up Jonathan and David. I, it, it's in the book. Or Ruth and Naomi. My God, those are the best lesbian love vows I've ever heard. Are you kidding? <laughs> Where you go, I will go. Where you lie, I will lie. Your people will be my people, and we shall be together forever. Oh, honey, that's, that's good stuff. Well, now, is church hurt? And I, I'm not going to refute that. I'm not sure how to respond to that. <laughs> Maybe that's my hetero privilege. I don't know. Um, I, <laughs> you know I always ask about, you know, and even in that, when you talk about interpreters, so you, when you go to Leviticus and you talk about, you know, this, I like, when, they, when you start talking about, um, when it talks about that whole man shall not lie with man, it is an abomination. But what you forget is I need you to read the entire, don't cherry pick, read the entire chapter. There's a whole list of amoral, just terrible ass shit. You're not supposed to sleep with your incest. You're not supposed to sleep with pedophilia. It's a whole bunch of shit that people will forgive readily. You know, tattoos is one of those in Leviticus. Oh, probably, yeah. I'm just, yeah, yeah. So I figured this. So, and that's my thing. I'm like, I figure at this point, I'm going to hell anyway. <laughs> so, church hurt. Did you did you feel any levels of church? You know, we use the term church hurt, and that's when a person has had a negative experience related to their church experience. And I've noticed that a lot of the people who are starting to look towards some of the indigenous uh, belief systems and traditions and cultures and those who are moving towards like Danny becoming atheist or um I can't think of the word before atheist like you know, agnostic agnostic yeah yeah it's like you sort of okay yeah yeah so I've noticed that a lot of people who've been church hurt have moved towards those type of living experiences and I'm are you I'm asking? wondering if the hurt that they experienced was because we were Proclamating sexist, racist, <clears throat> homophobic constructs oh, that absolutely. were taught to us. Absolutely. I feel like in a lot of situations that is exactly what has happened. I just feel myself blessed and very fortunate that I grew up in a family and in a church family that embraced, that was really living the model of open door and open hearts and did not and that, in fact, I think some of them were scared of my mama, so nobody said no stupid shit. <laughs> I was scared of your mom, too. Okay. I, I was just going to say, if I, if I could jump in, um, and I, I speak for somebody who's in in, uh, in, a, in a, one atheist organization, um, and then I'm also like in a free-thinking, they call themselves free-thinker organization of color online. Um, from what I've gathered, um, two things. The people that make up those groups are either former lay leaders most of them are former lay leaders. They were like ministers, pastors, whatever, from different, from different um, faiths, uh, Christian faiths. And then um, the rest are, they, they were actually not even, they're like myself. They weren't, they didn't have a bad experience. Um, they just studied the books a lot and came with the conclusion that it doesn't hold any water. What I've noticed, what I've experienced is that most people who suffer church hurt actually remain in the church. Just like most people in abusive relationships actually stay in those abusive relationships. So that's what I've experienced. I've, I've, I've made, in, in those organizations, I may have ran into maybe one or two people. And these are, this one organization is, is nationwide. 
And then one group that I'm in, we go to a lot of conf- we go to a lot of regional conferences. Um, and we meet people from all over the, all over the, the country and all over the world. And I'm gonna say nine point nine out of ten times, most of those people had pretty good church experiences. Um, I know, like I said, I went to a church that taught liberation theology, so my experience was actually very good. Again, I have a I have a heteronormative privilege, male privilege in that sense, but it's very rare that I meet people who are I've been church hurt, so now I'm an atheist, so now I'm agnostic. You know, um, I get that. I, yeah, I, so I, I, I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna point that out because a lot of people, I get a lot of people that ask me, well, what, what bad experience did you have in church that made you leave? And, I, and I, that's why I always start. When I tell people about my atheist experience, I always start with I had a good church experience. And you know, I had a very good church experience. And I, I, I honestly I appreciate that because when you talk about church hurt, like growing up, I never experienced again. Like I, you know, in struggling with my identity and who I was, you know, I never had that church hurt. And you know, regardless of how I was sheltered, but you know, maybe again, maybe because like folk weren't gonna say anything to Shirley's son ever, right? Better because maybe that's it. But regardless, I didn't have, I did, I have experienced more church hurt as an adult, mm-hmm. and more recently because, and I guess as a church boy, as it as it were, like I have. I guess I've, you know, I've, I hold people to a different standard. I'm just like, wait, wait, wait. That's not how we act. That's not how you're going to, how you're going to do that. Like very recently, um, I'm on a sabbatical leave right now from a Catholic, uh, from a job at a Catholic church because I had, because, because the priest and I didn't get along and you got a priest and you got these, um, the sisters, you know, the principal was a nun and they were shitty. They were absolutely shitty. Beyond the fact that they weren't running the school properly, and I was, you know, I'm, you know me, I'm like, yo, so if you want to improve your scores, if you want to improve the running, the efficiency of your school, you need to do this, 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 and this, and this will be for the betterment of the kids, and they're looking at me like my name is Sam Sausage Head, and then on top of that, you get to you get to a point where the priest is fussing at me every week after mass, and we had you, yeah, you know me you know I'm not here for any of that no you're, you're Mr. Clapback the original Clapback <laughs> and so and it came to that I was and I was like you know I had to say to I had to say I was like you know what I'm tired of, I don't got my I got my friends I got my brother on like standby because um you got one more time and I and I was like nigga you got one more time and I'm gonna need bail money <laughs> I was like, you got one more time to be fussing than me, and it's gonna be on and popping. But I was like, well, how about this? I was like, wait, wait, let's not do that because it was like, I'm like, I don't believe that you're fussing than me, and you're you're raising your voice at me. This is not how. I was like, this is how we do in the church now. Oh, okay. You and you don't expect you expect a certain level of behavior, and you don't expect the church people to do you grimy. Hmm. I'll say thank godliness for sabbaticals. <laughs> and you better thank Rick because I'm telling you, he had me set up. He, yo, Rick set me up lovely. I was, he was like, look, bro. Oh, I love you know that's my number. I love All right. You. Because guess what? Because he and he set me up years ago. He's like, he put me on, he put me on the right pieces of paper. So he was like, look, 
So if this goes down, all you have to do is say this, and you'll get out. <laughs> I, I told my I, I told my folks I told all my folks I'm like look just come to this precinct call Ricky and he's gonna tell him that I'm off my meds and the dude hit a trigger and they're gonna let me go <laughs> you don't need no bail money just come get me they won't release me to me but just yeah I, I don't. salute to Hampton University <laughs> um so we, we, we deal with we deal with all this, but misogyny versus sexism, uh, and so there is layers to this. And and I really truly appreciate having Dan Trez on me with us because he kind of breaks a lot of this down. Oh, misogyny! Yeah, you're right. I mean, he's right. So misogyny, you know, sexism is you know that's how we act and how we how we think and our constructs. We're like, okay, and so. That's our, I, I view it as, I view it as sexism is our slant or our perspective on how we deal. But then misogyny, you're right, misogyny becomes a whole nother thing where it's almost abusive and it's, you know, and it's detrimental. And then you set up and you actually set up systems in place where like, okay, so it's institutionalized sexism is what it is. Mm-hmm. It is, you know. Like when you does it still exist the way does it still exist I mean when you look at the schools is there uh, is misogyny still the rule of the day when you look at the courts is it still the rule of the day now I know when we deal with some um, you know governmental stuff and we deal with some of the uh, policies that deal with healthcare you guys have taught me that it's still the rule of the day but where is well, education <laughs> Let me tell you, Title IX only goes so far. Title IX goes for athletics. But case in point. So I know you've seen the article, and I should have sent it to you, about the South African runner who has um, testosterone levels, and they want her to take now the IOC, who is so anti-doping, wants her to take drugs to suppress her naturally occurring hormone levels. Mm-hmm. And you know yep. what? I'm like, it's not her fault. She's not transitioning. Yep. She's not, you know, she's not, she, this is how she grew up. She is, this is a naturally occurring, this is naturally occurring in her body. This is how she's made. And so for her to have to suppress that in order for her to be competitive or because she's beating the hell out of like you know she's beating she's beating the hell out of folks now granted they consider it doping no it's not doping now just because them East German chicks had to do that stuff and you know that's a whole other issue to me that's that's a physiological issue because you know what there's some there's some cultures where you have to do that and they came out looking like men but what do you do with that but but yet this ain't doing nothing with that the I, you know what I'm saying? The IOC is <laughs> So what happens? You know what happens if? So they wouldn't ask Usain Bolt or anybody else who was blazing the hell out of everybody. They would never ask him or ask right. him to suppress his hormone levels so that you know people can catch up to him. No, go put the work in and shut the hell up. Hmm. What are some other examples where uh, misogyny is still the rule of today? I wasn't aware of that one. Thanks for bringing that one to my 
awareness. Um, but what are some of the other things that where, where misogyny is rule of the day? Because I don't think that I necessarily, and I'm speaking for Joe Blow, you know, the general public, I don't think Joe Public, normally, Joe and Jane Public, I, I tell you what, I don't think the public normally sees some of the things you guys are picking out unless conscious brothers like yourselves bring it to our awareness. So what are some other examples, Danny? Well, I was, I was going to say, I know, um, again, misogyny is um, hatred and violence towards women. Um, a, a good example is how we police women's bodies, right? Um, so, and I, I remember we were, we were having a discussion about, um, you know, prom dresses, right? Here's an example of a prom dresses, right? Um, and I noticed that uh, when people post pictures of their daughters, and two things, two things, right? They, they'll post pictures of their daughters and everybody has something to com- comment about the dress that she's wearing, right? But... That's nothing. That's we never do that towards the boys, you know, or the or the males, right? Uh, but we're always policing women's bodies. Oh, why are you have? Why are you letting her dress like that? Why is she dressing like that? We start sexualizing their bodies early, and that's misogyny. That is that is clearly misogyny. Or on the reverse side of that, you have pictures of dads posting pictures of of their daughters, and then with their date, and the the men have. Shotguns, you know, or machine guns, and it's like again policing their daughters' bodies. You know, they're doing it again, even though we don't look at it. We look at it as good parenting. We're actually policing women's bodies. That's a form of of control, control of of, of, of violence. You know, over women's bodies, not letting them have agency over their own bodies. So that's something that we do all the time. I see it happen every year online. You know, people make comments at the water cooler at work. You know, we might say, oh, did you see so-and-so's daughter? She looked like a little dot. And this is like, why are you sexualizing her? She's going to the prom. Like, why are you doing that? You know, it, 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 it blows my mind, you know. Having but, dealt with way too many prom seasons. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, as, an, as a, shit, this is what year, I'm going into year 25 as an educator. Having been through way too many proms, now there are some things that are just, first of all, and it's not even, I guess for me, Dealing, I guess, looking at it from as an educator and as a parent, it's not more so policing. It's just like some shit just ain't appropriate, girl. You cannot go into this this particular occasion, and it's. I think it's a lack of us telling. It's not no so much policing, but it's some things are just not in good taste. Mm-hmm. You know, some things. So at a high school prom, I had a young lady come in with a plastic dress on. She had this one. Yeah, I mean, and I, and I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. I can say, hey, hey, you know, for so many reasons. Right? Well, you saying that she came? She came with a hefty on. No, 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 no. A clear. I hope she was skinny. <laughs> no, no, no. Very shapely. She had on pasties. She had on pasties and a thong under said see-through dress, and so she had this cape that was oh, you know, circa. Um, you know, reminiscent of Kathleen Battle with the hood, and it was very. Oh wow! Oh wow! Okay. You know, so she's walking through, and it's real. You're like, okay. She's like, you're like, what's under the cape? And she's like, come in. She'll, she's going in the bathroom, and she's the flashing like, and we're like, oh, honey, you have to keep the cape on. You have to keep. Or it's so funny. I remember my first year teaching the guidance counselor's husband. He was. Standing out there with me, he's like, he was pointing out the LPCs. What's an LPC? A little pussy cover. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> sir, I was like, sir, sir. But <clears throat> and then when you get to a middle school level and they have this little dance, baby, you should not look like, you know, then it's not even about 
you know, it's not even about sexualizing, but what you don't, you know, what you allow your child to wear, what some things are not age appropriate. I do not want to see my daughter out there looking like she's about to go on a stroll. Now, now, are you taking away her agency? No, you know what? Well, let me tell you something. There was one time I did say to Charmaine, I said, sweetie, we were going to, um, you know, she was slightly busty. And you're talking about your daughter. Yeah. Okay. And so when she, you know, she was on her way out, we were on our way to Kings Dominion and on our way to meet the folks, you know, she had on this real small shirt and I said, go back in and change. And she looked at me and said, no. I said, let me tell you why. I said, I have on a small shirt because I go to the gym every damn day and I want people to look. And so I'm, but the deal is I'm not going to get upset when people look, when the wrong person looks, I'm not going to get upset about it. I'm just going to be like, oh, well, too bad. I said, however, you are going to make this day harder for me because when the wrong little boy looks at your breasts, which are now on full display, guess what? You're going to come to me and you want to want me to then police them looking at you. No, 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 no. So I, but, then, but then shouldn't we, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying you, I have, I have three sons, I have one daughter, and three sons. Shouldn't me as a parent tell my sons that, Hey, just because you see a young woman with her stuff out, doesn't mean you can say stuff out your mouth. Doesn't mean that you could, you know, touch her without consent. Absolutely, mean that you could, you know, whatever. And I think, I, and that's that's what I mean. Like that's where that's where I mean. Like we need to we need to tell our young boys, hey, because she's dressed like that, doesn't mean that you have the right to say or do what you want. And men too, and young men, and men our age, you know. So yeah, so we need to do that as well. And you're right. That's the other half of the conversation. And so. What you say, and, and so the conversation with my sons is, uh-uh, what you're not going to do yep. is right here. And, and, no, and even if, even with students, like, you don't have the right, I don't care if she, you know, is her name, if she looks, if she's coming out here like Tatiana, that's her business. However, you don't have the right, sir, to say to her, you know, you don't have the right to touch her. You don't have the right to say any, anything inappropriate to her. You know, that's a whole other conversation. And so, you know, that's not how you do that. I mean, it's about being respectful and, you know, and teaching them to be respectful. And so it still exists. We, I mean, you're right. You have, women having agency. But I'm just like, that, that I call it that lack of, even with agency, there's a whole level of home training. Oh, I agree. Oh, I, I agree 100%. Uh, you know, because ultimately, I'm the parent. I'm the one that buys the outfit. So, you know, and so so when I see them like that in middle school, because I taught middle school, I was like, well, I know mom and dad bought that. Why they let, you know, I need to talk to them. You know what I'm saying? So, okay. yeah. Well, you know what? We have four minutes left. We have four minutes left. What are some other examples? And uh, I appreciate you telling us about the Tatiana in the hefty dress. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad she wasn't a hefty, a hefty. Um, but, but what are some other examples so because one of the things that happens is people are you know listening to our conversation and starting to say maybe I am continuing this construct which is destruct and we may have been totally unaware of it so what's another example but you know I am telling my daughter what to wear up until she's a certain age and am I now I got to start thinking am I forcing her because I'm I'm dealing with misogyny and 
you know, uh, male proof. That's interesting. It's making me think and maybe even become a better father because of it. So I want to help fathers and mothers become better parents. What's another example so we can go? I think I think um, kind of like what I jumped what I jumped off of what Ed said. Uh, you know what we tell our, our our daughters is usually different from what we tell our sons, right? Didn't it be so like so a good example? Yeah, like for example, I mean I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you do it, Seiko, or you do it. I've been around Seiko, so I I know how he gets down. But I see like a lot of parents like if their son is 14, 15 years old and he's dating a lot of girls, we'll be like, hey, we big pimping. That's my son. You know what I mean? He's holding it down. You know, but if if our daughter is dating a lot, daughters are dating a lot of men, we have an issue with it. And I think that I think that you know, if we're gonna do it, you know, if we're gonna do it, it should be it should go down both sides, male and female. If I have a son and a daughter, I should do it the same way. Or if I'm gonna do the opposite, I need to treat them the same way. It needs to be some some equality in that situation. So uh, and, and that goes back to you know agency over their bodies. And a lot of it is you know we're saying and you know I try to be real careful because I don't want. My daughter or my or my lady mentees or my lady students, I don't want them, them to I don't want them to see me say that you your only only thing that you are is your body. You're more than just that, right? So I really try to not keep the conversations on those levels, right? Um, I always want to say, you know, they're they're intelligent, and I don't want to sound like I'm being respectability policies here, but that you're more than just your body. And I think a lot of times when we do these things, we kind of emphasize that. Your all, everything is about your body. We should move away from that because we don't do that with our sons at all. Hmm. So I think this is a conversation that really needs to be continued. Uh, last words, Ed. Last words. Um, peace, love, and hair grease, and no <laughs> bags at damn prom. <laughs> it is prom season, so it's about to. It's <laughs> no, no hostro couture. <laughs> well, I, as a DJ who's been DJing proms for the last 20 years, no matter what your child puts on, they're fighting it out when they get out there. I, 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 uh, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Dan Trez, uh, where should we go with this information, bro? I'm going to say this. Um, I, I'm just like um, uh, Kevin Powell says, I am a recovering misogynist, right? Um, I'm still learning, you know, my behaviors and what I say. I really pay attention to what I say. And a lot of times I fail at that. And a lot of times I do promote massage and I do promote sexism. So I have to I have to consistently recognize that at all times, especially dealing with my students and my kids, um, that I'm a recovering misogynist. So that's how I look at it. And that's how I try to make I try to make all the spaces that I enter safe for, for almost as many people as possible, as many people as possible. Oh, I think that's the guiding light right there. Try to make everything we experience safer for those who are going to experience it with us. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yes, sir. All right. Well, hey, stay fly, gentlemen. I know you had something to say, Ed. Go ahead. 15 seconds. 15 seconds. Really, next week, we need to talk about safe spaces. Stay fly. The views expressed on the Fly Guy podcast by the guests of the Fly Guy podcast are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Stay conscious. Stay fly. <laughs> <laughs>